This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Glad that you are with us this week. And it is in us this week because we have the return of Miss E. I'm not dead. Nope, that's no. good. I'm still recovering, but I'm not dead. And uh, I'm glad. I'm I'm really, really glad that yeah. that's the case. Uh, so you are feeling better? Yeah, I feel a little bit better every day, although I'm still kind of wheezy and I can't go outside when it's hot because it's just really exhausting. Yeah, I know. And I've been passing on the well wishes. Yes, you have. Thank you very much. Everybody's been so nice to say like, nice things and wish me well. Yep, so it is a, uh, a long road, but you're feeling better. Yeah, better. Well, that's good. Uh, in the meantime, it, it should be said that, uh, you know, not a lot of work has been uh, getting done in no. the garden. No, but- the, the garden is a joke. <sighs> um, it is amusing, however, that the there are um, beets and carrots and beans and cucumbers growing in between the, the weeds. weeds. If, yeah. if I could open up a farmer's market with weed crops, I would be making bank because that's all that seems to be down there. And then I have a whole bunch of pepper and tomato plants in little pots that I'm struggling to keep alive until I can figure out how to get them in the ground. But Yeah, hopefully uh, I said this last weekend, that didn't really work out, but uh, hopefully Father's Day, maybe I'll be able to get down in the ground. But you're right, the cucumbers which I actually thought we're dying made a remarkable comeback this they are. week. We actually have a, little, a couple of little cucumbers and a lot of uh, flowers on those yeah and then the beans uh they're called black valentines they're actually long skinny green beans but you can eat them that way but then if you let them dry you can eat the beans on the inside but they're small black beans uh anyway those all have a bunch of really pretty purple flowers on them uh the beets are crazy i had to point out to you where the beets were in between all the weeds because right. i was like no you have to well, water also over kind there. of in between the beds too yeah they're all because we place. had gotten rid of the raised garden beds but we had tried to use the old imprint and uh and a lot of beets uh, were, were in between but we also have a lot of beets that are getting eaten by the rabbits the bunnies yeah i know i haven't seen too many bunnies though i think the foxes are actually going after the bunnies now yeah well this was one of the other discoveries so we yeah. we had decided wow you know we don't really think there are any predators around right now because we keep seeing all of these rabbits hopping all over the place i would walk out our back door and it would just be like a rabbit explosion in the yard. And it wasn't that there was a rabbit explosion in the yard. The children would go outside and they would see bunnies sleeping in the open yeah, yard. Right. So I'm like, well, if bunnies are sleeping in the open spaces, surely it's okay to let the chickens out. So we let the chickens out. Wah. One day. One day. One day we let the chickens out. One of the hens uh, gets taken off by something. And I'm not sure. To this point, I'm still not sure what it was because the next day... Uh, I found right by the chicken coop, underneath this bush, there was a dead rabbit. Uh, And I don't want to get too graphic or anything, but the face had been kind of torn 
off, and then the how's that not too graphic? Well, you might sorry. have stopped there. It's, I know. It was kind of, and then the the, the rear end had sort of been uh, eaten a little bit as well. So I'm not sure if this was a, but there was there there was a lot of it that was still intact. So I don't know if this was a coyote, if this was a fox, if this was a hawk that possum, went, you know, because possum down. will go after innards through either way. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. Like the innards were still in. There. Uh. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. There wasn't a. There was still a lot of rabbit to the rabbit, mm. um, but there wasn't any chicken to the chicken. No, there were some feathers, and then the next day, um, Bullet the dog was sniffing around underneath the bush and found a foot. Yeah, that was a no, chicken foot. Yeah, that was a. Yeah, I'm still not even sure if that was the same chicken because that was a completely different part of the yard. And we we, and we earlier that chickens. we we had <laughs> lost like. I got four new pullets, and they were locked up on lockdown for like a week and a half. And the first day they were let out, three of them got three of the four new ones got snatched along with an older chicken who would have known better. But she was that stupid one that kept wandering away from the rooster. Yeah. So so we're down to seven hens. Seven hens, but that's fine. We get five eggs a day. One hen's still not quite laying, and she's an Americana, so she'll be given blue or green eggs soon. She's turning out to be pretty. I'm calling her the crow. Oh yeah, she is trying not to be pretty. Yeah, she's got some. She was all black, but her feathers were had a blue green tint when we first got her. And then the more mature she gets, she's getting more like uh, I want to say like shiny beige uh, feathers around her neck and in spots on her back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, not not quite enough to even call it speckled. But no, kind of here random and there, dots. random yeah. dots. But that's an Americana. Her mom was an Americana. So that's that's the uh, the big news uh, from the farm. We actually haven't managed to kill off all of our vegetables yet. That's good. And uh, no. and the chickens, goats are doing fine. I get about a half a gallon a day from milking. I'm still milking every day. In the morning, at the beginning of when I was dealing with the pneumonia, I was moving a lot slower. Uh, but they're at the point where I can let them out of the gate, and they just run over. They just hop over to the milking stand, and they just wait for me because they're they're food driven they know there's food there right uh they get a little distracted sometimes when they're because there be green bushes to nibble on but uh for the most part they go right to the milking stand so it's me just having to drag my sad sorry butt up there and get it done but they did a good job eating though we had some uh, poison ivy that popped up in our front yard and they uh, they took care of that in like two days it's like spicy salad for goats <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's funny they'll eat all that and people are like really i'm like yes actually if you look it up they'll eat the poison of like uh, poison ivy oak and sumac so i try to introduce that as much as possible so when they want to eat that i stop and i'm like and i'll point it out to them i'm like no 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 look down here and they'll oh here nibble 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 it's really cute especially with the new yummy fresh leaves right so yeah those are the tender shoots and they're clearing out their pen and i'm probably going to be uh good enough so that we can move their their pen in a week because they're starting to nibble down on everything and the hogs are still going strong but again we're probably gonna have to move their fence so they get fresh pasture soon yeah but everybody seems to be doing well the other big uh news of the week and it's not quite news news yet but we are talking about a puppy yes And it's an interesting mix. Um, We saw a flyer down at a restaurant that we went out to dinner at, and the ad said, Marema, livestock guard dog puppies. Well, they're not quite. Mom is three-quarters Morena, quarter Great Pyrenees, and Dad was a Labrador Retriever. So they won't be as big as Marema, and they probably won't be quite the same fluffiness, but I don't know, Mm because I'm not too sure which one is the dominant gene. But... They're gosh awful cute. Uh, they are. Our only concern is how 
our big fat fluffy baby is going to take being deposed as the new baby. So right, exactly. And so uh, Marimma's, uh, I didn't know this until we started looking them up because uh, I was like, I'd never heard of that breed before. So it's an Italian breed. And it's been around for close to a thousand years. It's kind of like the Italian version of the Great Pyrenees. Yeah, and the the pure breed uh, Maremmas are pure white. So they blend uh, in with the, the sheep, right? And they're they're really apparently uh, good guard dogs. They. Uh, bond with the animals. You can find pictures with them hanging out with the goats. But this is going to be like, a pet. Yeah, well, that was the other. So that was one of the other discussions was, is this going to be an outside dog? Is this going to be a guard dog? Or is well, this going we to don't, be... See, the thing about guard dogs is they learn... Puppies learn how to be guard dogs from guard dogs. Right. We don't have one in place. So the best that we can do is like adopt an adult guard dog, hope that likes our goats, and then maybe get puppies to go along with it. We just... We don't have that set up. And we also don't have our goats in permanent fencing and we move them around so i'm not too sure how well that would work with a guard dog either because they usually like to be able to roam keep an eye on stuff right and then the other thing would be like keep it for the chickens well uh, uh, uh. so we just want another puppy yeah and i don't know that this is I, I don't know i'm still on the fence as to whether or not this would be a good puppy because they say that you know as far as pets go there are i realize this is a mix it's not it's a, a big mix too breed. because know, the, if you if it's three quarters of maremma now it's only uh, three eighths Marema, and it's still half Labrador Retriever. And right. Labrador Retrievers are fantastic dogs for they, the house. And they pets, are. So you're right. They are. I have a this, see. This is me saying I don't know. And the next week it'll be so we're getting a dog, or you'll come home and <laughs> and there'll be a there'll dog. be a dog. Happy Father's Day. Hey, how about that? <laughs> All right. Why don't we take a, a quick time out? We will be back with much more. Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, including a lot of your thoughts. And I want to thank you for that as well. Uh, we've been hearing from a lot of uh, old friends and new friends. The email address, as always, is Forty Acre Fool. For zero acre fool at gmail.com. Stick around. We'll be back with much more right after this here on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards here with Missy and uh, youngest daughter is sitting in as our studio audience as well. This evening we were talking during the break about what to name the dog that we don't have yet. Uh, (laughs) Because, of course, that's always the thing to do. Maybe we should have a, a contest I'm not guaranteeing you, Missy's shaking me off here. No, we're not naming the no, dog through a contest. No, Maybe we should just solicit suggestions. Maybe not have yeah, an actual contest. Not a contest. Because then all of a sudden the dog gets named Doggy McDogface. <laughs> <laughs> or something stupid like Trump or Bernie. Like, no. Yeah. No. And Doggy McDog. There was the Bodie McBoatface, you know. That the, did you see that story? In no, England. I, I really try not to pay attention to news. What was Bodie McBoatface? So in England, they were naming a, I think it was like an Arctic research ship. 
and they had an online poll and people got to pick names and suggest names and um sir richard attenborough the you know like hms sir richard attenborough is one and i think that's the one they actually chose even though the winner by far of the online vote was the hms boaty mcboat face that was that was what English the people British have a public really great sense of humor. Yeah, well, I've always loved their sense it, of humor. It's a Dada world we're living in these days. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface, right? So we get a okay, Doggy McDogface now. Well, be, well, we call him Doggy, but that just seems so impersonal. Well, youngest son, who's a big fan of Fallout Four, would call him Dog Meat. I think he would like to call him Dog Meat. Right. Youngest I, daughter might want to call him Dog Meat. I what asked do you think about, about dog that. Meat? Dog Meat's a German Shepherd. Oh. Dog means a German chip. Well, it doesn't have to be the same kind of dog. I was like, I was really surprised. I'm like, we don't so, live in a post-nuclear like, so what, apocalyptic landscape either. So, so, so you guys eat or, or eating dog meat? I'm like, no, that's the name of the dog. I'm like, the dog is named dog meat in the game. That's really rude. Yeah, well, it's a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Think name, like naming your beta sushi. <laughs> I'm gonna name all my fish sushi. I can't eat them. I'm well, not gonna eat them. But. You know, we did name some of our. Hogs, pork chops, and well, that's different. We ate bacon. them. <laughs> we did. We're not going to eat the dogs. <laughs> no, we're not. We did. We had pork chops. Unless things get incredibly, bacon, incredibly grim. Ham bone and spotted dick. Yes, but we called them Dicky for short. Dicky for short, exactly. So I don't know if you've got any suggestions. Uh, so the idea that that the the first idea that came up was Gompers. Yes. Uh, and the reason why Gompers, I, I have like half wanted to name a dog Gompers probably since I was fourteen, and I read a Dave Barry column, or it was it, maybe it was in a Dave Barry book, uh, the uh, the humor writer for uh, for a long time for the Miami Herald. Um, and he wrote about having to spend the night in his editor's living room, I think like in Nashville, and there was this dog, this stupid dog, I think it might have even been a Labrador, uh, that would just, or maybe it was a Golden Retriever, and it would just come up to Dave Barry all night long, and it was click, click, click on the hardwood floors. And he wrote very funnily about, you know, uh, amusingly about this experience, but he said like in this, this sort of offhand aside that if he ever had a dog, he would want to name it Gompers after Samuel Gompers, the old uh, American Federation of Labor leader, because he just thought that Gompers was like the best name for a dog that he'd ever heard. Oh, that's where you got it from. Yes, oh, it's actually okay. from Samuel Gompers. But see, that's the thing is like, I don't know that I really want to name my dog after Samuel Gompers when it all you know comes down to it. So now I'm looking at different, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the history books and I'm trying to come up with a, a better, more... Uh, more appropriate historical name for a dog. Just don't name him after one of the philosophers. Those names are so hard to pronounce. Like, Aristotle, get over here! <laughs> or Herodocalocaliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicliclicl
That's a dog name right there. Booger. Booger. That's uh, that's as good as dog meat, I think. Yeah, that's up there with dog meat. Right. So I don't know if you saw because again you're trying to stay away from uh, from news and uh, social media and stuff like that. But I don't know if you if you saw uh, PETA oh, this geez. week. What have they done now? So they compared. They said discrimination is discrimination, uh, no matter if it's a woman or a chicken. Bullshit. I'm not sure that we can say that, but I'll go ahead and leave it in there. I'm sure they'll bleep me out. <laughs> Peter are the same people who who break into facilities and capture all the puppies, and then they kill them themselves rather than let them sit there. Well, they don't necessarily break into facilities. Well, That's the animal liberation front. Now, what Peter has been accused of doing... Uh, in the past is um, taking dogs that belong to people and taking them back, uh, even though they might have tags on them when they left. Peter says, oh, well, we didn't, the dog didn't have a tag on it when we picked it up on the side of the road. You know, living in Virginia, there are a lot of hunting dogs that you'll see. Yeah, right? they all have big, expensive collars on them. Right, and uh, sometimes those collars apparently fall off and uh, and they're taken. And Yeah, and there have been, been issues in the past. I mean, they do... We yeah. have a little puppy with a tag on it that it says, says PETA kills killed puppies. Me, actually, yeah, because, well, because about 95% of the animals that PETA takes in uh, get euthanized. They are oh, not a no-kill shelter. So, they are very much a... They're the roach motel for dogs, basically. And that's an improvement. Um, so here's the thing with, I think, a lot of the animal rights movement. It, it, now, A, PETA says, well, a lot of the dogs we take in are sick. They're unhealthy. Uh, they, 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 you know, we, it would be uh, prohibitively expensive to you know, try to heal them. So we offer them a dignified way out. But this is what animal rights activists don't want to talk about. If oh, they got their again. way, if they got their way and all of a sudden next week we stopped eating meat, there would be a massive slaughter of livestock in this country because the reason why we have so many cows i think it's great that you know john stewart has a has a farm sanctuary in new york and he's rescue he's got rescue cows that that's great there are never going to be enough smug limousine liberals like everyone else you should provide your own sanctuary meat. for all the cows in america so if we stop eating meat tomorrow oh, the cows that got loose here really in the 19 who were in through the front yard like i mean seriously that would be hilarious Oh, the rescue cows. Yeah, like yeah. they're gonna be, they're gonna storm our farm and rescue these cows because they got through the fence. Well, that's of our not again, That's yard. not what they did. They bought cows and then they put them on a farm sanctuary and they've saved the cows. But that's the thing: you can't do that with every cow in America. So no. as soon as animal rights activists get their way, okay. there's going to be a mass slaughter of cows because farmers aren't going to keep them as pets. Farmers aren't going to be able to afford to keep them around because they're neat to look at. No, they're they're now going to be. Uh, a burden on these farmers who are going to have to figure out a way to feed their families since they can no longer raise meat, and the meat's going to go away, and the same thing's going to happen to the chickens. And, and you can't have leather shoes either, according to PETA. And and PETA says, well, this is okay because that would be better than the lives that uh, they're living now. Um, the only reason even, that they're living their lives is to be meat. Yes, and it also, you know, again, it, it speaks ultimately to the fact that PETA doesn't care about cage-free eggs or free-range chickens. They don't care about anything. They think all of that, all of it, no matter how humane, no matter how much green space animals get, it's still akin to slavery. Man, they'd be really mad at me for killing those four snakes this year. They would be. They would be... But I killed the snakes to save my eggs and my chickens. So here, PETA, (laughs) good thing we don't have video... Uh, all right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. Missy's getting a little saucy here, <laughs> dropping 
BSs and flipping birds. When we come back, I got both barrels. You didn't see that. But it was directed <laughs> right at me. It wasn't directed well, at you. It was in my general direction. It was directed uh, at the penis. When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, we're going to get to some of your thoughts. Again, we've got a lot of emails that uh, have come in over the last week, and we'll uh, share those with you right after this. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up next. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. I don't have a lot of hopes for this election. It's the ultimate long shot. Now, at the convention, what could happen? I guess anything could happen. It's their their party. They could change all the rules. I just see all the bad that comes. Let's say they find a way to stop Donald Trump. He's done. He's out. Done. Shut him down. Ha, ha, ha. What do you know about the Donald Trump supporters? Are they reasonable people? The morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. No uh, fireside chat this evening. It is absolutely pouring. It is. Yeah, we can hear it. It's lightning, too. Yeah, we thought at first we we heard like a noise, and it was like, is that a tree branch that fell down? Is that a little bit of hail? And no, it was just... Winds and rain. Wind and rain. Yep, but welcome to summer in Virginia. Uh, So Jason wrote in said uh, i wanted to say i'm sorry that missy has been under the weather i completely understand how something as simple as allergies can cause great health problems every spring my allergies give me severe sinus infections which cause asthma problems which give me bronchitis if i don't catch these early it knocks me off my feet and immobilizes me for a day or few so jason you, says i hope you recover quickly and usually that's the case with me it's allergies sinuses and bronchitis and I'm I'm almost like, yeah, I'm probably going to get bronchitis. And I never did. But I was having this crazy chest pain. And I was like, yeah, I got to go to the emergency room. And it turned out to be pneumonia. Yeah. Which was uh, scary because at the same the same day that you were actually in the hospital, in the ER. Your friend was having a heart attack. My friend was having a heart attack. It was yeah. almost like I was having sympathy pains, but crazy. I know. It's, it, was a, uh, it was an awful week. Uh, Jason says, I've been a listener of your podcast from the beginning. I look forward to the day the show posts with much anticipation. Somewhat like little kids on Christmas Eve. And thank you for continuing with the podcast. Well, that's really awesome, Jason. Thank you. That's sweet. Um, Jason says, I've always wanted to write in and let you know how amazing my life and farm are unfortunately i live a pretty mundane life my wife and three kids ages six three and one. Oh, that's not mundane exactly right <laughs> i was gonna say have been renting a townhouse in northern utah while i'm currently going to school pursuing an advanced degree in plant genetics which i have to say also jason not mundane wow right after i finished my bs degree i began working as an intern with the u.s forest service harvesting wildflower and native grass seed throughout the great basin desert mostly western utah and eastern nevada we would clean the seed and then plant it in some experimental farm plantings. I was eventually hired by the state of Utah's Division of Wildlife Resources to maintain these wildflower and native grass farms. As grazing on state and federal lands is very important to rural economies in the Intermountain West, the Utah DWR puts a major emphasis on restoring and reseeding vegetation on degraded rangelands and following wildfires. My job was to evaluate which wildfire or which wildflower and native grass species would grow well under agricultural conditions and produce the most seed. Oh, how cool. 
So it would prep the seed of the best species and would give it to growers at no cost to them, and they would sell what they produced back to the state or the Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management for between $10 and $50 a pound, which is quite a bit when you consider that many species can produce 200 to 800 pounds per acre. Yeah, but you still have to go and get the seeds. Like, yeah. You have to grow them and then you have to you have collect to, the seeds. Right. So that's, you know. Uh, That's a cool program. It is. Uh, Jason says, now granted, at those prices per pound, most agencies have not purchased more than 200 pounds of seed in any given season. Uh, After working for the state for several years, there were funding cuts. My contract was not going to be renewed. And so after much deliberation, I hesitantly went back to school. Jason says, my wife and I dream of the day when I finally finish school and begin to build our dream of living on a farm. We want to be able to raise our own fruit and vegetables, meat, eggs, and milk. Of course, he says, I would also grow wildflowers for seed production. Although nothing's guaranteed in farming since weather and disease and pests are so unpredictable, causing crop failure and lost income, which Jason says, I know all too well working with these native species. We both feel that the farm lifestyle will help the family to grow closer together and helping our children to learn how to work. I grew up in the farming country of northern Utah, not on a farm, but my parents taught me how to work and be diligent, usually as a punishment for being a teenage snot. (laughs) But I learned that there is great strength and potential in me as I did hard things. My children, and all children, Jason says, need to learn that they can do hard things. They need to know the pain of a broken heart, the pain of failure. Most in my generation have been overprotected by parents who didn't want their kids to know hard work, to feel pain and failure to the point that they're paralyzed with fear of these things. Their fear of failure and pain has constipated their dreams. I doubt when these 20 to 30 year olds were in kindergarten, they dreamed of being single, living in their mom's basement and playing video games. They dreamed of being something like an astronaut, a doctor, a paleontologist. Jason says, I want my kids to learn that they can do hard things, including fail, so that they'll be able to make their dreams become realistic goals that they can achieve. Only those that learn they can do hard things and some heavy lifting. Nice, Jason. Nice one. <laughs> Only those that have learned they can do hard things and some heavy lifting have reached their goals. Jason says, I probably said too much, but I wanted to thank you for sharing your story with me. All the best. And Jason's in a picture of some of the wildflowers. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank Isn't you. That? In northern Utah is absolutely gorgeous. Wow. What a view. So, Jason, you did not say too much. In fact, I think you said a lot of fantastic things. Um, and this is something that, you know, look, we talk about in this program a lot. And, and Jason mentioned the name of the book, uh, Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice, which makes a fantastic Father's Day present, by the way. Um <clears throat> Just throwing it out there, you know, you can still find it on Amazon. I think now it's less than $10, whatever. Um, we see this, Jason, I think right now, uh, as you look at the attack in Orlando, Florida, and I don't want to talk a lot about it on the show this week, but you look at the response and you look at, uh, I, 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 look, I can understand there's a, a human response of, well, this can't happen again. So let's let's talk about guns. Let's talk about X, Y or Z. I get that. But, you know, Jason, if you've listened to NRA News Cam and Company all this week, you've also heard from guys who have looked terror in the eyes. They have fought on the battlefield against al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS and al-Shabaab. And those guys who are the opposite of snowflakes, um, you talk to them about how they grew up. Ron Bellin, a uh, retired Navy SEAL, spent 25 years as a Navy SEAL. He grew up just poor Mm. um you know sometimes you'll hear liberals snark uh or i shouldn't even say liberals but you'll hear anti-gun folks snark about nobody needs to hunt for their food anymore well ron did growing up it it really was a matter of are we gonna eat meat or not or have to yeah 
And, you know, adversity, what, what would you say, Jason, is true? Adversity uh, builds character. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, growing up, not knowing where your next meal is going to come from is, is great or it's the way that we all should live. No, kind of stinks, actually. But challenges, having challenges and being able to face those challenges. Versus having everything handed to you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you're right, Jason. I think that it develops characteristics that are, uh, they're not outdated. They're not outmoded. In fact, I think they are desperately needed in this country. So I congratulate you, sir, on what you're doing. It sounds like you're uh, doing a great job of raising those three kids. And uh, keep us up to date on uh, how things are going. I, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And I um, keep my fingers crossed that you're going to get to your farm here before long. Now, uh, one more email, and then we'll take a time out. We've got more uh, to get to. Um, Brian wrote in and uh oh i'm sorry brian uh, offered a uh, advice for a site called patreon if we wanted to let listeners donate i don't know about no. that brian I, I appreciate it but but thank you uh also <laughs> tiffany said uh, greetings all from beautiful central oregon i've been meeting to write every week but sometimes life gets in the way and i didn't want my email to sound like a tweet uh please don't stop your podcast she says i just love listening to you too as well as hearing other people's tales since the last I wrote, she said I had just made an offer on a house back in October, November. Out of many offers, I got it, Tiffany said. 1,900 square feet, 2.39 acres. Smile with emoji, she says, but it's mine. Hey, um, there are a lot of books out there that you can do like a lot of things with one acre. Uh, you can feed a, a big family on one acre if you do the square foot gardening approach. So, point acres is nothing to sneeze at right tiffany says the day i moved december 12th was an adventure the snow started as i left my then residence at 3200 feet at noon movers and friends following by the time i reached my street my new street 45 minutes later and 1400 feet higher there was approximately a foot of snow oh it didn't let up until probably three days later oh tiffany said after the move my realtor had a line on two goats that needed a home desperately Unfortunately, with a garage still full of boxes and about three feet of snow on the ground, there was no way for me to erect or shelter or even have them in the garage. So I'm, I'm sad, but I missed out on that. She said, now that burning is over, property vacant for way too long, much to clean up. I'm not done yet. She says, I want to find a few fruit trees. I'm still watching the sun movement as well as the deer movement, trying to figure out where to put my garden. I've got some plants growing, tomatoes and potatoes, but not ready for a garden like I used to have. She says, probably doesn't help that I had snow on the ground after March 15th until mm. after March 15th. Uh, question about goats for Miss E. How often do they need to be milked, and how large of an area should they have? She said, I'm just concerned about getting a couple right now since I commute. Uh, she says, I need to find a job and a career that I can do from home. So, how often do they need to be milked? Uh, uh, when you... So, what we do here is when the babies are two weeks old, we take them away from the moms, and we start milking two a day, every 12 hours about 12 hours just to get the enough milk to feed the babies because you have to keep them bottle fed until they're eight weeks old but that doesn't mean you have to do that like i milk once a day now it's it's demand and supply so if you're milking less you're not going to get as much but they're going to not produce as much either so it's not going to be dangerous for them and story the s-t-o-r-e has a great set of books on animal care they have one for all kinds of goats and everything they have a really good one for dairy goats because off the top of my head i don't know how much square feet they actually need but for but they are pack animals so if you get one you want to get at least two 
Mm -hmm. um, so to, they can keep each other company. And for two goats, you can probably get a 100-foot length of Electronet and just move it around when they eat up all the food. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, as far as square footage goes, you know, keep in mind, uh, what, 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 you, you could keep goats in a pen. Yeah. You know, people do. Are one but of then the, they'll feed them, you know, alfalfa, pellets, or, Yeah, there's you know, goat, there's, uh, Purina makes a really good goat chow right. that we use for the milkers when they're on the stand, but we try to get them for browse. We also buy the compressed alfalfa bales from Tractor Supply and put them in a thing, but we try to move them around, but they actually physically, you can put them in, like, a horse stall overnight and if you train them then you can let them free range around your property and then yeah. just put them back in the horse pen with some food at the end of the day right and if they you know if you do want to keep them in electronet you'll be able to tell when it's time for them to move because they'll have nibbled the grass down they will have any you know the small trees you'll be able to tell when they need fresh forage but if you do have electronet the one thing that i would recommend and you can get it anywhere is i buy those big igloo dog houses mm-hmm uh, they're portable. You can pop them apart. You can clean them out easily. You can move them wherever you want. Goats don't like to get rained on. So they do need some sort of shelter against the rain and the wind and the, and the elements. And so we just have those. So when we move their Electronet, we just drag the houses to a new area. Right. Yeah, this is another lie by PETA. The whole, you know, a cat is a rat, is a dog, is a boy, and a goat is an oat, and a whatever. Uh, goats are different. Goats are gross. Yeah, they're nasty. They'll be Animals are animals. Everywhere. Animals I mean, are animals, and humans are humans. And if goats were humans, then do you poop on your bed? Yeah, uh, actually, don't or, answer that question. Or in if your you, food if you dish. Do. Right. I mean, like... Like, even pigs are cleaner. <laughs> goats are kind of nasty. Uh, anyway, uh, we wish you the best of luck with that, Tiffany. Tiffany also said that uh, she's working on uh, building her coop. She says, my much older neighbor back through the trees to the north has chickens, and he said I need some so they'll eat bugs, etc. And he offered to help me, which is so sweet. Oh, that is nice. She said, I was originally concerned about the predators that we have here, i.e. bear tracks 30 feet from the back door, coyotes going crazy during full moons, and with the windows open last night, bobcats. But my mind was put at ease as I watched my neighbors free range. Well. Don't be too at ease with that. <laughs> um, but but uh, well, if you do a search for channel or chicken tunnel, you can make a little coop, and then you can use some of the... I use that uh, two-by-four, six-foot-tall uh, hardwire fence, and I made it into channels. And so I made them 18 inches, and then I made a hard right angle turn and and folded it over so it would have a flat surface and then a round top and I just tied it together with some wire and I attached it to the side of our chicken coop right. and they have these little places where they can run out and it doesn't sound like a lot but a 30 foot long tunnel that's 18 inches wide gives a significant amount of square mm -hmm. footage that they still have and I can I can pivot it to a, some extent so that when they eat up all the grass I can kind of move it over, move it over right. a little bit and they get more grass our, our neighbor the farmer uh, loved that tunnel too by the way he was he, as we're walking around trying to find the cows he's like what is that and i said oh it's a chicken tunnel and he said what's that he had never seen that before and he's like that's pretty cool because he's been around here for a really right? long time he's the one who warned me when i told him i was going to have chickens he said well you're going to totally find out about predators yep and i did which and we is have. why we have the channel right all right we're going to take an, uh, another quick time out when we return, we've got more of your emails. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, dog suggestions. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from you again, so stick around. We've got more coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
Walsh. There are all these rules in place about telling the government how they can go about dealing with someone who they suspect of a crime. And that seems to be primarily the function of the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. As much as some of us may love the First and Second Amendments, these other two, along with all the rest, are crucially important because without them, the First and Second are meaningless. The amendments all work together like notes in a piece of music. Matt Walsh. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So after a uh, quick break to look at lightning, we are back here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Crazy pretty. I know, right? I love looking at storms and we are in the middle of uh, a big one at the moment. Which is good because I didn't water today, so I want all my weeds to get wet. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, back to some emails uh, from Loretta. He says, Dear Cam and Missy, Missy, it's good to hear that you're better, but I'm sorry that you weren't feeling well enough to join Cam and youngest daughter down by the fire pit. I know what this pneumonia thing is like, and I remember that there was a stretch during recovery in which I felt pretty much okay so long as I wasn't trying to do anything. As soon as I did, I felt exhausted quickly. I do a lot of sitting and crocheting. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully, Loretta says, you are now or soon will be 110%. Uh, Loretta says it was kind of amazing to listen to Cam read out pretty much my entire email in the uh, June 9th podcast. Seriously, hearing part of our story being retold in Cam's best radio voice was a real treat. You do have a good radio voice. Oh, thank you. I have tons of other thoughts and stuff, Loretta says, that I'd love to share with you and the community of listeners. And I'd also love to hear from other listeners. Have you thought about doing a dialogue by telephone with a listener for a piece of the podcast? You know, Loretta, I have. Um, But the problem is that uh, I need... Uh, some actual podcasting software in order for us to do that. Uh, I also yeah, might need a better internet connection yeah, we, in order we, to do that. We don't have a great internet connection, and we have to share a microphone right now. So, yeah, this is this is this is pretty bare bones, right? Uh, Loretta says one of the best and most worrisome aspects of being responsible for participating in the preservation of a way of life is the nagging question of how best to pass on the knowledge and the appreciation of it to future generations. We don't have children, so that obvious route isn't open to us. We do have nieces and nephews, and over the years, we've had plenty of area young people spend time working on the farm. At least one of the latter is now convinced that farming is what he wants to do, but just like us, he has to find a way to pay the bills while also farming. Yeah. Loretta says, yes, I did grow up on a farm in America's dairy land, although we had beef and pork and horses, but not dairy. My beloved uncle, she says, Dr. J. Harold Bonner, now 95 years young, was the area Dr. James Harriot? Do you oh, remember him? James Harriot. Yeah, he was. He's the 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 world. He's the veterinarian. He's the veterinarian, like, yeah. right? The country veterinarian. All yep. creatures, great and small. Yes. I remember uh, I got assigned that book freshman English class, Loretta, uh, and he maintained his small and large animal practice in our small town in southeast Wisconsin from about 1955 until about 1990. Wow. Right, but then. Having sold his practice and spent a few years marking time and filling in for colleagues on vacation, he eventually fulfilled a lifelong desire to have a feline clinic, which he maintained until age 87. Good for him. When he finally did give up his license to practice veterinary medicine. His next project was to design, build, and manage an apartment complex for retirees. And just one year year ago, completed phase two of Elder Haven, as he named it. That's cute. 
dude. That is I like awesome. That. That's awesome. Holy cow. He is just one of those people who has to take care of somebody. Right? Uncle Harold, she writes, was my childhood hero, and I would like to state for the record that he is also the hero of my adulthood. He remains my first port of call when things are going belly up at the farm, and he is the most upright, moral, warm-hearted, and disciplined person that I've ever had the privilege to know. Born in 1921, there aren't too many experiences he hasn't had, if you get my meaning. Yeah. His (laughs) great-grandfather homesteaded a parcel in Lake County, Illinois, part of which is now preserved as the Bonner Heritage Farm. I feel very privileged to have a set of planter boxes made by my uncle from wood taken from fencing at the family farm. Oh, that's cool. And I fill them with flowers and display them on the deck every summer. Oh, that's so nice. That is so cool. Now, you remember uh, Loretta uh, and her husband have a 60-acre horse farm in New Jersey. And by the way, Loretta, I will be up in New New Jersey. Jersey? Cumberland County. (gasps) Hey, that's not not too far from where my family's from. Yep. I've got people in, um, I don't know what that is. It might be around there. Gloucester County? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Well, they're at uh, Wind Whistle Farm there in uh, Cumberland County. And Loretta uh, and John, I will be up in New Jersey, just so you know, end of July, July 30th, for New Jersey SafeCon. I'll be in Parsippany, New Jersey. That's so, not Cumberland. That's way... Uh, I know. It's still the same state, and it's a relatively small state. Oh, but you saw North Jersey versus South Jersey. You I'm might just, as well be in I'm two just talking different about parts distance. of the world. I'm just talking about distance. I'm oh, so, just saying. So, Loretta, what exit? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all I'm saying, Loretta, is if you all can uh, make it off the farm on uh, July the 30th and uh, can make it to Parsippany, I'd love to see you there. Uh, Loretta says, I've had horses since as long as I can remember. My husband has had similar longevity with them. Finally being able to keep our horses at home again. Uh, we both had done so in our childhood, but not as adults until we bought our farm was the fulfillment of a dream. Helping other people understand how horses tick was and is a big motivator for us in life, as well as the preservation of the traditions of classical riding. I was a big horsey girl. I actually used to work at a Girl Scout camp in Bridgeton, New Jersey that did horse training. And we would have the kids up at five o'clock in the morning to feed. We did pooey duty, cleaning tack, uh, learning how to ride. But it was all Western. Uh, Loretta says, yes, we really do back up to a huge wildlife management area. Uh, She said, uh, if you look at the southern third of New Jersey on a map, you'll see that there's a lot of preserved land, some public, some private, along the Delaware Bay and contiguous areas. She says, in fact, the farm's only about eight miles as the crow flies from the bay. But there is generally quite a lot of preserved land in New Jersey, which probably explains why our property taxes are so outrageous. Well, yeah. Like I said, that's the big complaint of my friends and family in New Jersey. Right. Now, Loretta also talked about uh, being able to use the rent from a cell tower on her property to pay the mortgage every month. that's right. We had had talked about that, but we just don't have enough space for that. Well, Loretta says, um, as for the cell tower, the lease was already in place when when we bought the property, but the tower was not yet constructed. She says, I have no qualms reporting that having it is quite the pain in the ass. But, as the Eagles famously said in a song from an earlier era, every form of refuge has its price. Mm. Nowadays, new cell towers are hard to come by. Carriers are under some form of mandate to make service available in rural areas. But townships and municipalities have wised up to the potential tax bonanza, which, of course, uh, uh, costs the carriers. Um response of the carriers has been to try to locate towers on parcels that are not subject to property tax, such as schools, churches, and the municipality's own property. There are limits to this strategy, of course, she says, but in any event, our tower predates that time, and I try to mute my complaints. Anyway, she says, please keep it up. We love you guys. Well, Loretta John, thank you again for writing in. It's fantastic to hear from you. Give our best, if you would, to your uncle, uh, Dr. J. Harold Bonner, 
95 years young, and what an amazing life this guy has led. So Cumberland County is right the county where the Girl Scout camp was in Bridgeton, New Jersey, and we used to have to rent our horses from a farmer. So oh, wow. how funny is that? How crazy. What a small world. Yeah. Well, again, thank you all for writing in. And uh, I also want to, I, I did apologize to Corey via email, but to Corey sent an email a few days ago asking for uh, recommendations, things to do, because uh, he's going to be uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia on a family vacation. And I did not have a chance to get back to Corey because it's been kind of a crazy week. But Ooh, but did you hear about Colonial Williamsburg, though? I was just going to say. Okay, you do that. Um, at Colonial Williamsburg, Corey, there's a range now that just opened up. Uh, and as part of the Colonial Williamsburg experience, it's extra. You have to pay extra. But you can go to the range uh, and you can shoot uh, period authentic firearms from what I understand, my friend uh, Andrew Langer from the Institute for Liberty says that they sell camo tricorn hats there at the gift shop. So you got to get one of those. So uh, if you make it there, that's my recommendation for you. Uh, Corey uh, says, I love history. I'm really excited about the trip. It's my first time to really explore Virginia. Do you have any places that you'd recommend seeing? Oh, the, there's a Ripley's Museum in Williamsburg, too. There is. And the Yankee Candle Factory is awesome. I, I, well, I know. It's kitschy. Corey might not want the Yankee Candle do Factory they have kids? once history. You yeah, know. but if they have kids, it'd be a good kitschy day. Sure. Um, I'm not going to recommend the Yankee Candle Factory for you. Corey. I am if you have a wife because Yankee Candles are expensive. You can get a really good deal. But there's also activities for the kids to do. They can make candles. They can have fun. They can make things. There's a candy store. It's a lot of fun. We've taken our kids there a lot of times. So I don't know why he's saying, no, don't go. Because it's not really history. But if you're looking for history in and around the Williamsburg area, there's Jamestown. There's Yorktown, which uh, I've been to Jamestown, and it's really, really neat. Uh, I've not been to Yorktown, unfortunately. Both of those are kind of a haul from Williamsburg, though. No, they're both on the peninsula. They're in the same general area. I thought maybe James a half hour from town was one. where we all went when we were in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. No, that's Roanoke. Oh, never mind. Don't listen to me. I don't know my geography. <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy your first time in Virginia. I hope that it won't be your last, Corey. Uh, and next time, I promise I'll do better at uh, responding. That is about all the time that we have for you this evening. I got to go put some kids to bed, walk a dog, and uh, get ready to head off myself. And Missy, I think you've reached your wall as well. Pretty much. I think I'm in. I started yawning when we started doing this. And I know. Holding it in. I know. Oh, we never got to talk about the jellyfish. Next week, next we'll week, talk about we'll the talk jellyfish. About jellyfish. All right, thanks so much for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon from the near frontier with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Bye, y'all. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 